God of the universe, maker of the stars, who am I? Well, welcome to yet another episode of Life on Purpose. We are excited to be here as usual. Um, we keep talking over and over uh, as the weeks go on how this is just really a highlight of our weeks. You know, this time right here, um, talking with each other and, you know, just the response we're getting from all of you. Really, really appreciate um, those of you that are reaching out and letting us know how it's impacting you. Um, and as always, if you've got comments, questions, you can reach us at uh, onpurpose at mail.com. And um, we got an exciting show tonight. Because um, but I hope everyone... they say it's your birthday, Daniel. Oh, who said hey. that? I didn't say that. Happy birthday. <laughs> I may have said it before the show, but not now. Yes, it is my birthday. And what an honor to be, you know, doing this on my birthday. I love it. So, yeah, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. And I hope everyone had a great day today on my birthday, though you didn't know it was my birthday. Um, I'm sure I'm sure it affected so much. So much. Yeah, and gifts and donations can be sent to join to a shim and care of Mike Clayton, and uh, we'll see what happens. There we go. Oh, <laughs> take care of. Sounds good. So, did you guys eat your uh, helpful portions of turkey or whatever it is? Have a good Thanksgiving. Mm. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. I ate way too much food. Way too much. Way yeah. too, too much food. Looking at me, big. you wouldn't tell I could do, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, we, uh, I'm trying we had to figure a... this one out, Ryan. How do you eat as much as you do and still look like you do? I blame my dad. I, I blame mm. genetics on my dad's side. Okay. Mm. Well, it was, it was fun. You know, we had we had an absolute houseful, um, which was great because that was one of the things we we prayed for for this house is just the ability to host and to open our home and to uh, just extend our hospitality to whoever comes here. So it was really good. This was our first time. And um, it's always fun because we have a tradition um, that stems back to, um, you know, when things were kind of at their worst, when people came over to the country um, where their food rations were limited at one point to three kernels of corn per day. And so we just have this little tradition where we take three kernels of corn and um, just, you know, everyone goes around and says three things we're thankful for. And it's always a special time, you know, just having that many people around the table going through and, you know, a lot of things change in a year. That's for mm -hmm. sure. Oh yeah. So I like that. That's a neat tradition, Daniel. Yeah. I learned it from my in-laws and I think I'll keep going. That's cool. Uh, that's very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a uh, little family tradition that's been starting over the past few years for me is uh, we'll have separate family gatherings. We usually have big ones, but sometimes it just is different because my stepmom's Indian. So it's a huge family affair oh, yeah. over here in the States. So sometimes we go over there, sometimes we don't. So we'll do it two nights. So I have Thanksgiving dinner two nights in a row. <laughs> it's brutal. It's oh, yeah. so good though, but you yeah. walk away rolling. You just roll. Yeah. You just roll <laughs> well, out. We all feel terrible for you, David. I know. I, I, I will just, be praying for you. Yeah. I'm telling you, I accept your prayers. Thank you. The suffering for Messiah there, buddy. Oh, there suffering. <laughs> suffering. Yeah. So Dan, oh, yeah. what what are we talking about tonight? Well, you know, I, I just started thinking about this, and we do have a, a subject we're going to go to in the coming weeks. Um, there's a lot on our minds, a lot of things that we have uh, that are happening. And in fact, we have some news that um, we are not allowed to share yet. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, let's just say that life on purpose is um, is going to be more far-reaching than it has been in the past. 
And, mm. uh, you know, everybody can help with that, by the way, anybody that's, you know, if you're being blessed by this program, uh, share it with friends, you know, yep. what's the, what's the, the worst that can happen. They don't talk to you anymore. Um, you know, that might be a blessing. Yeah. If, if they don't like this program, why would you want to talk to them anyway? Right. <laughs> why? <laughs> <laughs> that's the litmus test yeah. do, do you like life on purpose yeah uh, yeah i mean that that's you know that, that's where all great relationships happen but uh yeah so uh tonight we wanted to talk about kind of this bridge okay we're going to be talking about in coming weeks redemption okay what does salvation redemption from a a hebraic biblical um, Genesis to Revelations look like? Mm -hmm. Is it like an interesting subject to talk about, guys? I think so. I think so. Yeah, and I think uh, I think people out there, if they've listened to us at all, know by this point that when we say we're going to talk about what salvation and you know redemption means, it's not going to be in a an ethereal, impractical way. Mm -hmm. It is going to be in a very hands-on. Like, how does this relate to me in my life today way? And so I'm excited about that. Yeah, I am too. Oh, yeah. um, but, you know, I, I was thinking about this is let, let's kind of transition from the five questions of life to there. Now, we have taken the five questions of life of who are you? Where are you from? What have you been given? What you, will you do with it? And what will be the results of the first four questions? We've taken that from a, um, a biblical point of view. We've also taken it from the attitude that the person that's asking those questions has a belief in, in, in God. Uh, we would say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but uh, has an overall belief in God in some way. All right. Is, is that a fair statement? Mm -hmm. I would say mm -hmm. so, yes. Yeah. Okay. But what if somebody doesn't have that? So what if they cut, they tuned into this program and they don't have any kind of a biblical view? They, they've never opened the scripture before. And, and it's amazing how many people haven't done that, have never mm -hmm. actually read the scripture. And in this day in America, it's becoming mm -hmm. more and more prevalent that people uh, have never read the scripture. So here, here's, here's what I came up with. Uh, the five questions of life from an atheist point of view. Now, by the way, atheism only lasts a lifetime. Good point. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Mm -hmm. yes. Where am I from? I'm an accident, or no, who am I? I'm an accident of the cosmos. Where am I from? A slime pond that gave birth to a monkey. What have been given? What have I been given? Random chance and luck. What will I do with it? Whatever promotes me. And what will be the results of the first four questions? An overgrown, seldom visited piece of rock sitting on a piece of dirt. Hmm. Your response? I feel that's very fair to that. Yeah. Absolutely. It's interesting that it, the... Uh, I had a thought just kind of hit my mind because I've been wondering kind of what approach I'm, I wanted to take with this topic. Um, there's a common theme that we're seeing these days. You know, for everything that we see biblically, there's a counterfeit. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was Jordan Peterson that brought up uh, the title of the video, if I recall correctly, 
was the dangers of grind culture. Hmm. And it has hmm. all to do with this um, like motivational uh, self-improvement. Um, it's all about you being happy with your image or creating your image, uh, you know, this kind of thing. Uh, very self-centered. And he was kind of discussing the dangers of that and the effect that we're seeing on society is it's all about how much money can I get? Uh, how, you know, can I promote myself the fastest? Mm -hmm. uh, and oftentimes, of course, they use social media for these. And we all see these. If, if you stay long enough on Instagram or, or Facebook or whatever, you see those videos come up, you know, the get rich quick schemes or the if you just do this kind of thing. Uh, and it's all in the end of it, it's all emptiness. Because one day you're going to die and you're going to leave it all behind. Mm -hmm. Just like you said, it's going to be a seldom visited overgrown rock somewhere on a hill. Mm -hmm. And that wealth is going to go somewhere else. And we read that in Ecclesiastes. Mm -hmm. I was just reading that before the show started. Yeah, let me, I want to jump off of what you're saying there, because I think that in the work we've done or even meeting other people, we actually get to meet some people that will actually, they, they don't have to put a price tag on things if you don't, they, they, it doesn't matter to them. And it's wonderful to be able to work with those people. And there's some you could see there's that, there's this thing that there, you could tell like the question you're having that you ended off the last one. What's the culmination of all, of all those from a perspective of there is no God, that there is none of this from an atheist perspective, where is that? And sometimes it's fascinating to see where, as you're working with them, working with some of these things, you're like, whoa, hey, what's scary is, is that the same things they're dealing with is the same things I see in this, in this faith, this mm -hmm. emptiness. Mm -hmm. And it's because if you're just filling yourself with this vanity and just keeping it to yourself, it leads to the same result, the same mm -hmm. exact thing. It's just this hole and you keep filling it up with, with this, with this person I'm dealing with it's materialism and things. And then on the flip side, it's nothing but just this accumulation of knowledge that does, that goes nowhere. If that even makes sense, but it's just, just build up, build up and doesn't get shared at all. And it was, that was fascinating to me. And that's something that it's, it kind of blew me away, especially when I get to work one-on-one -on -one with some of these people and you see even normal conversation. And that's, I think, I know that's the point you're bringing up is that you see it in every day you're watching, you're seeing it and you're like, wow, what? It's amazing how that, that those simple questions don't get answered. And that just is an everlasting question that lingers forever and ever and ever. And it's, not until recently that I had to seriously have a contemplation with myself and say, well, what, what is that? So when you said that, it was like, if you look at it from that atheist perspective, it's pretty hopeless. Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. pretty, it's pretty <laughs> hopeless. Yeah. It's pretty brutal. If you think of it in that way of a, of a perspective that there is no God, yeah, no doubt. life is pretty hopeless. And it's just, well, I guess it's just, it's just the way it is. Just the, way that you struck the car way you just pulled the you just pulled the bad card well dealt mm -hmm. a bad hand i guess you're just gonna have to just deal with it mm -hmm. you know what that mindset allows for though if, if you have that atheistic mindset is, is atheistic a word i don't know uh, yes we'll, we'll use it okay you There's have that no. atheistic mindset what it allows you to do is 
to fulfill those selfish desires in every, mm. you know, anything you desire, you can have, you can mm. you know, live any way you want to live. It opens that door for you to be able to live a wantonly evil lifestyle mm-hmm. because you don't believe that there's consequences for your actions. And you wouldn't even call it evil. No, exactly. We it would is, call it, it evil, is, but yeah, but for them, it's, it's very, you know, loosely defined by them. Um, you know, just as you're reading those, like it starts off comical and becomes very somber. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's comical, you know, just to, you know, the thought of coming from a slide pond that evolved into a monkey and then realizing that that is pretty much the summary of the actual theology. Um, People believe it. And, and, you know, it's when you really stop to think about it, it is incredibly depressing because people will more willingly believe that than there is a loving creator that created them and wants to be a part of their lives. Like for some reason, it's more attractive to some people to think that way. And I think it's because, you know, like Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, they sinned and then they hid. And, you know, we all to some extent, like have that desire to hide from our shame because, you know, we hear, we hear the father's voice. And sometimes after our sin, we think it's going to be shaming us. But then when we actually turn to him and look at his Mm -hmm. face, it's a face of love. Um, But, you know, just, you know, and Ryan, like you're saying, I was also contemplating just like, what's, what's my take on this? And, um, I think I think it's good to kind of connect the five questions to, you know, the the salvation or redemption because you know, someone who is an atheist like you kind of went through dad is they can answer those five questions. Mm-hmm. To some extent, they can answer them in a fulfilling way. Like they could answer them to where it brings some sort of fulfillment to their lives and makes them feel like they have a place in the universe, you know, but it ultimately without God who put in us the desire to ask questions and to seek things out without him who created us, all of those five questions end up in the grave forever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got, I got that. So, so let's, let me go back to, um, let's, let's take it back a little bit and that's to where Ryan was at. Mm -hmm. Um, Ryan, you, you're talking about the, uh, not really the prosperity gospel, but the uh, the self-improvement, okay? Mm-hmm. And I've read most of those books, okay? I, I know I know many of those books just because of, you know, things that I've been a part of. I've, I've uh, studied John Maxwell, and, and I'm not speaking against any, any of those people that are, that are writing these books. Um, you know, how to win friends and influence people dress for success. I mean, I, I've got, uh, I, I used to have a whole library full of this stuff. But here's, here's where it comes down to. Um, when we read the account in the book of Genesis, Bereshit in Hebrew, it says that Adam was created in the image of God, right? We all agree on that on the, mm-hmm. on this program, I think. Absolutely. Um, now, if you ask even people who are followers of God in some way, shape, or form, 
they will say that everyone is created in the image of God. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But is that true? This trick question. Not exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because if you if you look at the scripture, it says that Cain was uh was created in the image of Adam, mm -hmm. not in the image of God. So if Cain is created in the image of Adam, who is fallen Adam, then Adam has lost his connection with his creator, which means that Cain is created in the image of a fallen man. So if we spend a lifetime, here's where I'm going with this, we spend a lifetime with self-help books, with education, not against education, not, you know, it's, it, it's easier to get through life if you have some, but you can go through life trying to become the best person you can become, but without God, without being regenerated in this life, you're just the best fallen man there is. Mm -hmm. That's right. Wow. And that's, exactly. and that's the thing, like, you know, when we've touched on this, like in the program before, you know, months ago, it feels like where, you know, there's so many religions in the world that tells us that, you know, humans desire spiritual things. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think that deep down, even atheists, you know, you know, atheism is a religion, you know, it is a religion, it's a belief system that yeah just believes there's no God, even though sometimes they don't not believe in God, they hate God. Um, but essentially, you know, it just, it, there is, there is an end. And like you were saying, Dave, like, it's just, it's hopeless. And so, you know, it's almost better for an uneducated person to know Messiah and not have an answer to the questions than it is for an atheist to answer all the questions and not know the Messiah, if that makes sense. Ooh. That whole, uh, it's hard to fill a cup that's already full kind of uh, moniker, that line of, if you have your head full of so much stuff, it's hard to then fill it up with more things. And ooh. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's yeah, and I totally welcome point. tweaks to that because I yeah. know it probably could set a little better. Mm-mm. No, that's the kind of stuff that uh that, that's the kind of stuff that I like to think about. I like the what you're going with that, Mike, and you know, like how you take in that way. It's that from an, an uneducated, as much as well, let's define that too. There's a lot of yeah. uneducated people that have a lot of sense. <laughs> Things make, right. There's there's also then there's a lot of educated people that don't have any sense. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, good yeah. lord. <laughs> I know you've had some little quibs about that before, and we've heard you talk about that, Mike. <laughs> Real classic little one-liners you have. And uh you're right. I think it is easier for full of stuff in there, what they think. And then they just say, God, I just need you to just show me. And honestly, I think mm -hmm. there is a there's a there's a simplicity to this and i know that every one of y'all we've talked about this before every one of y'all gotten that point where you get to a point where you just go i need to stop trying to make this work mm -hmm. i need to mm -hmm. step back and that's that trust there that when you're not when you're someone like a atheist or whatever there's all the then the sub-denominations of atheism right <laughs> there's all those that are a part <laughs> of it 
they'll say, well, that's just all to chance or it's all to this or when now I trust in some inanimate object to tell me if I'm lucky or not, right? There's lots of things surrounding that there. Put that aside. If you don't have that, then I trust in a higher power that's beyond myself. And that hole that everyone's trying to fill with material or knowledge or all these things, they don't realize that it's always been that there's this love of the father that's there. Mm-hmm. And if you're not about the father's work, it will remain unfilled. It's, it's mm-hmm. a grave almost, right? It's a grave. Mm-hmm. And they'll take it to their, to their own grave if they never fill it. If that made grave is a little bit too harsh for a word, but hmm. seen it well, too times. Ryan? Uh, Daniel, you had said something uh, that reminded me of a C.S. Lewis quote. <laughs> uh, and so I had to look it up. Uh, and what he said was, if I can't trust my own thinking, of course, I can't trust the arguments leading to atheism and therefore have no reason to be an atheist or anything else. Unless I believe in God, I cannot believe in thought, so I can never use thought to disbelieve in God. Mm. Yeah. Again, C.S. Lewis being who he's always had. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't think I could say it better than that. So I, yeah. yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. What? And you know, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, kind of connecting back to, um, again, Ryan, what you're saying of the grind culture, you know, I think that I think that's a big link between what we're doing here with, you know, connecting the five questions to salvation is it's not about, you know, after everything that we've said in the past six episodes or so, after all of that, all the questions, all the stuff you can go through, all the, all these things, it's not in our own power. It's not by might that we answer these questions. It is by, it's by rest, honestly, it's by rest with the father which is why Shabbat is so important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, um, you know, the father was really speaking to me, to me about this recently, just kind of some new seasons I'm in, things I'm learning, going through. Um, He's just really speaking to me, like everything you do, do it from a place of rest because because of that grind culture, you know, it's it, everything just says like, you got to work hard for it all the time, 24 seven, you got to keep going. You got to just put your feet to it. You don't sleep during this time. You grind, you keep going. And it's so unhealthy, both physically and spiritually and emotionally, mentally, and all of these things. It is so much more important to find rest in the Father, and all of those things will flow out from him. It is not about us coming to these answers by ourselves. It is not anything that we can do or perform or you know make happen that will bring this fulfillment, will bring this enlightenment to us. It is time with the Father and rest in His presence. You know that, that very concept is actually um, taught to us in in the first book, in the first chapter, in the first verses of Scripture. Before yeah. mankind is ever even created, and you know when it comes to this thing mm-hmm. of evolution and stuff, I I, I love the the statement an evangelist made years ago that it takes much more faith to believe that wind blowing over the back of warts on a frog produced ears than it does to believe that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it just, it, it just makes sense. The, the problem here guys is this, that if I believe that there is a creator and that he has given me something that I came from him 
and he has given me something, then I'm responsible for it. Yeah. And I'm responsible to him for it. But this thing of rest, let me, let me take you here. Okay. We're, we're all, we, we all get confused. Uh, at least I do because, you know, we do the biblical holidays, the biblical festivals of Leviticus chapter 23 of Shabbat, you know, Friday night to Saturday night. And it's a mind shift for a long time. I've been doing this for over 20 years. I still get confused um, because the day starts at night. It doesn't start during the day mm-hmm. because evening and morning was the first day. Right. On day one, what did he do? He taught us to rest in him before we do our activities. Mm-hmm. Evening, when we rest morning, day, when we work. So our work is to come out of our rest in him. That's good. That's really good. I very, like that. Very insightful. Ooh, that's a, that's a like good, because that. that's a, if you don't approach your everyday tasks, and I, that's actually was one of, that's actually something that my uh, grandma actually talked about that she said that she was so grateful for, and it really uh, something that we've been preaching here and that time spent with the father. I wanted to, cause she said that she's like, I'm now retired. And now guess what? Every single thing I realize how much more time I have. So now I make an effort, even though I can fill it with so much crap. She's a wonderful, like with crafts, she's so good at it and cooking. Oh. Anyway, so before she does any of that, she always takes time with the father. She's, and she just, and she tells everybody, that's all I do every time. Every time before I do anything, I start from that. So I love that. Now I'm going to take that back to her and tell her that too, because it's the day and night thing. That's really, really fascinating. That's mm-hmm. so cool. I love it. Yeah. And uh, I've just come to view Shabbat that way where, you know, it's just such a, we can't function without rest. Like we just cannot on a daily, on a weekly, on a monthly, you know, just all this kind of stuff. Like you just have to have, that time and i've i've just come to love shabbat so much and it's just like you know sunday is i'm looking toward it and then it comes and then it's that refreshing and that filling up and that fills me up to you know it's almost like this like a you know this thing you're climbing like a slide you're climbing a slide and you're stepping up and you're stepping up and you get to that top in shabbat and like shabbat is so good and refreshing that it like propels you through the rest of the week and Mm -hmm. you know it's so good and i just you know, one of my favorite quotes from a song is that rest is a weapon against the oppression of man's obsession to control things. Mm. And so essentially we have this obsession to control, to, to just keep going and going, but rest is actually a weapon against that. And Mm. I don't know, it's just really cool to think of it that way. And it just fits in with what we're talking about here that, you know, without without the proper context and without the proper um, tools, you know, you can't get from point A to point B. You can't take the questions of life and apply them properly without rest in the father and without the father replenishing you to what you need to do. Yeah. That's good. You guys have, you guys have all been through my tabernacle teaching that I do. Uh, Daniel's been there numerous times. And I think, uh, I think David, you and Ryan have been through multiple times. Um, the whole concept of the Holy of Holies, the Kodesh Kodeshim, is that there's nothing to do there. 
it's you know you've got the outer court where you've got the 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 altar and this the uh the laver and then you've got the menorah and the incense and the table of showbread and all of these things and that the 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 sacrifices and all that stuff that's going on and then you get to the holy of holies and it's like what do i do oh what mm. what what what's going on here there's nothing happening okay mm. there's nothing happening except for him and I love that uh, the 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 teaching of this that the the in the holy of holies there was no light coming from a natural source. There was no menorah there, and it's it is taught that there was the light was coming from everywhere, but yet it was coming from nowhere. You couldn't you couldn't see where the source is because light just was kind of like in Genesis chapter one. It just was, and so it's the essence of what David said. Be still and know that I am God. And, and it really brings us to the point of this, this concept that I've taught that um, this is not an original statement with me, but it's, it's something I got from somebody else. That understanding in life that we are human beings, not human doings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, and like, here's here's another thing. Um, I've, I've heard, I don't, you know, haven't gone and fact checked this and all that stuff, but I, I heard um, regarding pottery, you know, with pottery, they have big old lump of clay, throw it on this, I think it's actually called a throw, um, you know, add water and they start, you know, pumping that thing and it's spinning, it's spinning really fast. And at first, you know, that, that clay is like lumpy and it takes a lot of pressure to kind of, um, you know, get it to where it's starting to shape and take form. But then it reaches this point where you've added just the right amount of water and the clay proportions are proper and it's positioned properly on the wheel and all this stuff. And it just starts spinning perfectly. And you can hold your hands just like this and move really easily. There's no more chunkiness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that moment where you can just put a little bit of pressure and it starts to form like you want it. And I've heard that that point in the process is when it is still. Mm-hmm. And so you know, being still is not necessarily, you know, just like being still, but it's right. a, it's a state of being perfectly in sync with the father and perfectly in that moment, moment of being moldable by him, because we could have the tendency to try to answer the questions ourselves, but it's about being still in the hands of the potter, knowing that he is the one that will form the answers for us as we become multiple by him. Wow. Ooh. That, that could be an entire, I know that we <laughs> could go on the rabbit trail with talking about all those times where we had to be still. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, it is the last thing you ever want to do. The last thing. Cause it's like, nope, I gotta, I gotta get this resolved. This has gotta get happened. And then you just get that, what if you just let me take care of it? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that means I have to just let you be. Yeah, and anybody oh, that's man. been around David Covert knows oh. that still <laughs> is like, you know, no. that's like the oxymoron, right, Ryan? Oh, that man. is exactly that right. Is. That's exactly right. <laughs> but how many times oh, we on, on tour or going around places or like on the very precipice of something and it was like, be still and know. And it's like, mm-hmm. The last thing I want to do, and I have to tell my mind to stop. Mm-hmm. 
stop and yeah especially especially in a worship leading um you know so i mean you know ryan maybe you could talk about that a little bit you know Mm -hmm. i know i i got some some similar moments but you know just moments where you know maybe your mind is telling you you need to keep playing something or move on to the next song but there's just like this little whisper that says this is a still moment or not not. (laughs) oh yeah so that's interesting too because i've noticed a trend musically that's been going around and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name any names of bands here or anything but there's been this trend that you put on a like a pad track right Mm -hmm. and what you do is you use that pad track so you can play a song Mm -hmm. and then you can just seamlessly transition without the sound or the noise depends on what you want to call it stopping and then you go into the next song right and so there's there's never any moment and and they say oh well we it's so we can keep the atmosphere right Mm -hmm. i disagree with that yeah and i'll I'll give you a a couple things here the difference between just to pick on musicians for a moment because we'll go into this the difference between a poor musician and a good musician is one that knows where the rests are mm-hmm. and knows when not to play. Because a beginning musician wants to play all the time. An experienced musician wants to just play when they're needed to fill in those, those moments in the music, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when you're playing as a group, right? So you're not stepping on somebody else's toes. You know, let's say you're a keyboardist and you're playing with a bass player. You don't need to have your left hand wallowing all down on the bass end of the piano. You have a bass player, right? You can learn to rest there, right? That's just in a, in a, a physical living. You know, I could go on rants about this for a, <laughs> a while here. <laughs> I we've can't had tell. Convers- yeah. We've had conversations about this. I, I want you to, I had just asked you, I can't remember. It must've been a month ago, maybe even less than that. I'd asked you something about rest and there was you said that one oh, of yes. gave you a line about rest. I wanted you if you could remember that. That was so absolutely. So um, in my competition days on piano, uh, I would take a, occasionally master classes so that you would take a piece and you would play it for somebody who's not your teacher that might be a professor or an, another you know award-winning student or, or somebody that you know is at that level that you're trying to get to. They would listen to your piece and they would critique you on different elements of it. Mm. And this particular uh, lady, I believe she was Russian. And I was playing this piece and I got to this one spot and she stopped me. And she went, that wasn't right. She said, what you did is you played this passage and then you got to a rest and you failed to respect the rest. Mm. And then, so I, she had me play it the old way again. Then she had me play it again, respecting the rest, almost lingering on it just a touch too long, mm-hmm. just to give it that space. Drastically different wow. sound. It was mm-hmm. amazing what that did. So that's just in, in a physical sense, uh, mm-hmm. musically. Uh, but then spiritually, are again to kind of reference back are we so selfish enough to think that our doing constantly during a worship thing is going to do anything for the father like mm-hmm. you said mike we're mm-hmm. human beings not human doings so much of the time i feel like that's what's happening in the worship realm in modern day is there has to be something going something doing something happening mm-hmm. 
what about that, that silence and that space that the father can just leave? Yeah. That, I wanted to, if I, if I may, that, I wanted to bring it up that, that how you tied that together. If we're not all unique and we all have our own, even though we all may have, uh, we all have 10 fingers, right? At least some have 10, right? And they have fingerprints and they're not all the same. We're each one of us is unique. So in the huge entire score that is life, if we want to look at this musically, that's why I always find it. That was fascinating for me to see that is that I learned this new stuff in music. And then I realized how much it applies to life. That's how I wanted you to talk about that, Ryan, because wow, when I learned that you got to respect that place where you're supposed to rest. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in your score that you're doing with life, God's telling you stop. Because you're not human, like then time what you said, you're not, we're not human doings, we're human beings. Mm -hmm. So in the right place and time, that's when we're supposed to be on. And we have to be okay with not doing in that time. And I think it's so hard to realize and remember that the Father's kingdom, the kingdom of Yeshua is 100% upside down from this world. 100 percent you know like when we think of victory and war we think you know progressing and battle and that winning but in victory with god it's our surrender mm -hmm. you know us throwing up the white flag is victory in the spiritual realm throwing up our white flag to god it is saying i surrender to you i am no longer fighting you because you have won my victory for me and it's the same with this kind of thing, you know, it is not, you know, that the human nature, the this world's nature, the world kingdom says you keep going for it. God's kingdom says you rest and do what I tell you to do and it will come to you. And that's not prosperity gospel. That's just saying like when you do what God says to do and when you respect him and when you honor him and love him, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That is not prosperity gospel, but it is prosperous. You know, you mentioned, you, mentioned, uh, you know, turn the world upside down. We look at that in the book of Acts. It uh, says of the disciples, the early disciples, that they've turned the world upside down. But the reality is the world was upside down to begin with. So when they turned it up right, when they turned it upside down, they actually turned it right side up. Mm -hmm. Yep. Good point. Yep. I like that. And, and that comes out of this thing, you know, you're talking about musicians and there's a lot going on from what I'm hearing. Of course, you know, you guys know how musical I am. Uh, you know, my, my one thing was playing the drummer, little drummer boy in church, but that was, that was it. Um, I did that well. And so I figured where can you go from there? So I just quit. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Ryan's going to be able to take it one day, you know, in, in years to come when he's, when he's born, he'll be able to take over uh, where I left off. But uh, so uh, th this whole concept, there's a lot of things happening in, in music today in changes of how we approach uh, worship. And, and there's, there's people getting away from the stage and the audience kind of mentality. And in fact, uh, Barry and Barry Phillips and I are going to be starting to, uh, talk about there for the next few weeks on uh, my, our program foundations for life. Uh, unashamed plug there. Uh, <laughs> but let's go to a biblical word. Th this word bothered me for years. 
when I read the scripture the first time, um, I didn't understand a lot of resources. There, you know, back then there was no computers. Uh, didn't have an iPhone. Didn't have anything. You know, you had a, a strong concordance, which was big enough to choke a mule, but uh, literally. Um, so we didn't have the resources we do now. And I, I came to the word Selah. Most of the time it's in the book of Psalms, books of Psalm. Uh, it's, it's various places, but mainly in Psalms. And I, I just, I struggled with this word for years. And I would do, do you know, the, the best research I could. And it says, well, it was a, it was a musical rest, as you're saying, Ryan. Uh, it was a pause. And, you know, all that stuff just came up to me just empty. Until one day uh, I heard a message on this, that the word Selah, when you see the word Selah, it means this, stop, think about what you've just read and consider it in light of eternity. Yeah. Mm. And, and just connecting that those two things go together, you know, the musical rest is not strictly for the music but for the impact of the music, the impact that the music is supposed to have, the lyrics are supposed to have. It is, it is breaking the music to let eternity do its work in that moment with what just happened, with what was just played or heard or sung. Mm -hmm. It's true. also it's that future-mindedness, right? It's that idea of looking ahead to the kingdom. It's mm -hmm. that idea of always having our eye looking towards it. I know some people will ask me, and it's just something I've done. I've I realize that whenever we do the Shema, I'll cover my eyes. And some people will ask why. It's like I'm looking towards, I'm looking towards the end. I'm looking towards when one day I will be in Jerusalem and the temple will be there, or even millennial reign, millennium kingdom. I that's a whole other thing. But that whole idea of when I'm saying the Shema, I'm looking towards the end result, what that Shabbat is leading to. The Shema is leading to when we are a king, there is a kingdom on earth, the best kingdom that will ever be, ever. And it's like, I'm looking for that because right now the kingdoms of this world, they're, they're, they're doing a terrible job. That's true. Let me get in here and I'll, and I'll, I'll be quiet for a few minutes or at least a few seconds. Uh, <laughs> David, let me, let me go with something that you did because see, I'm, we do, as you know, we do the Shema every day at nine and three. We do this as our congregation. We do this when we're in Israel. And we have people that, that cover their eyes mm -hmm. for the exact reason that you said. Because you're looking, you're, you're, you're like, you know, covering the here and now and looking toward the kingdom to come. Mm -hmm. Whereas I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't cover my eyes for the exact opposite reason. Mm -hmm. Because I'm declaring the words in this realm. Mm -hmm. Now, what happens when, okay, who's right? Who's wrong? Well, of course, you know that I am. Of course, of course. <laughs> of course. I mean, who would disagree with that? Who's, who's right here? Both of us. Yes. I'm about to say, I was going to quote no teacher. Yes and yes. It's both yes. Both of us. <laughs> yeah. Because if you and I are, stay, are, are sitting next to each other and we come into agreement over the Shema, and you're looking toward the spiritual realm to come, and I'm looking toward declaring those words into the physical realm, what are we doing? We're doing a complete right. work. A complete work. That's right. Amen. And right notice you, you did not say come together in agreement of the practice of the Shema. Mm -hmm. 
agreement of the Shema and what it means. Like, you know, yes. the, the two things you just mentioned coming together, like, and noticing, like, you know, because, yeah, because it's not about like the, pra- the exact way you do it. You know, it's beautiful when people come together and do things differently for yes. the right reasons. You know, it's just, it's such a wonderful thing. And, you know, it's just, that's where denominations suffer is they they started um putting their differences on a throne rather than celebrating their differences Mm -hmm. because when we celebrate our differences for him and within the confines of his word it just you know what name one family on this earth that has you know multiple children that all the children are the same it does not exist. The family does not exist. All children in every family are different from each other in mm-hmm. some degree or, or, or in some way, shape, or form. And it's when we start focusing on the differences between those that we lose the fact that we're family and we have a goal to achieve together. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know, that's really cool. I'm, I, I got to tell you, Daniel, I mean, my siblings were always in agreement with me. <laughs> I bet they because, were. Because... <laughs> Because why? Because you're an only child. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to quote another uh, a famous uh, Hebrew roots teacher by the name of Mike Clayton. Oh, uh, famous. Who 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 referenced in uh, I believe it's Proverbs. It talks about how can uh, two men uh, you know walk together unless they famous. be agreed. And as he says famously, uh, any two idiots can go together if they agree on anything. What it really says is, how can two men walk together unless they be going the same direction? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I found that to be very profound. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. that's actually a teaching from, it's out of Amos chapter 3, verse 3. And uh, it's actually a teaching that I received from a good friend of mine, Udi Marotz, in, uh, in Israel that taught, that taught mm-hmm. me that. And the, you know, if you're married, and you guys, you guys are all married, uh, of, of course, you know, your, your wives probably agree with you all the time. Oh, every time, All every time. time, I just tell her, "Woman, Shema to me," <laughs> and that is—is yeah. is that why you got that bruise? <laughs> <laughs> and for those that don't know what the word Shema is, it's is is here. It's, the word, uh, no, we're it's about. here and obey. Yeah, exactly. And obey. That's right. Uh, no, I did also, not do that. Uh, for our single-minded uh, men out, or sing, not single-minded, excuse me, our single <laughs> men out there, please, for the love of God, do not do that. Please yeah, no, don't. that's bad. It was please sarcasm. So there is such a thing as sarcasm and jokes, yes. and that was a wonderful yes, one. Yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. So, anybody no, that's been married yeah. any amount of time understands this. That uh, let me quote another good friend of mine in Israel, uh, Moshe Kabitsky that said, uh, love is not looking into each other's eyes. Love is looking mm. in the same direction. Mm. Yeah, like you, walk, you walk long enough for with, with someone, you're going to find one reason to, to look the other way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it is that. That's good. That's good. You mentioned about the uh, the that tabernacle teaching of the holy polies. A very quick little point. We were always this was a nugget that I think we found a, a year or so ago from reading the Torah. And during the Torah portion, it was talking about making the uh, the Ark of the Covenant. 
and that there's two cherubim that sit on top of it, right? They say that they look towards each other, but they look, they're looking down. And as they're looking down, they're looking at each other because it is a mirror finish on the top. So what does that teach us? It teaches us that through God, as we look at others, we see through his eyes. So I always thought that was a fascinating thing to look through his eyes. We look to him to look to others because that's how we're looking to see what he's got, what he's good, what he's doing to others. So we don't look at from the human perspective in our human eyes. We're looking through his eyes and saying, okay, what's going on with them? Because we might just need to say one word of encouragement. And that's it. Just to help them move that next step. Just to find that hope. Because I think that's what we're, that's what God's raising the rising generation. He's raising us to be able to know how to be able to do that to be a beacon of hope in a dark and dying world. What it is. So yeah. when you see somebody that's hurting mm -hmm. and, and the father allows you to see that, you know, maybe they, they're offended at something or they, they've been hurt by life and they, they lash out. Mm -hmm. Is that not the father showing us their hurt so we can be part of the healing? I would agree. Yeah. It's so important in those moments to the entire story and to perceive the entire story. Because if you don't open your ears and open your heart to what you're seeing and what the Father has put in front of you, you're going to be addressing the wrong issue. And it's going to make it worse. Uh, I'll tell you who sure can. I'll tell you who the Father has placed in my life to to bring me to this point bring me back to this point over and over and over again. Cause it's not a, it's not one I deal with real well. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, people have heard me say, you know, in counseling, I would, I make a terrible counselor cause I look at him and go get over it. Um, that's just, you know, kind of my personality in a lot of ways. And the person that God brought into my life to give me balance is the, uh, the young lady that's married to Daniel Catesby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she has an amazing way of just looking at somebody and, and, and looking through all the stuff and just looking at them with compassion. It, it's, it's, cha she challenges me to places. I don't want to be challenged. Mm -hmm. That's uh, good. That is a common theme with uh, your wife. I about to say that is something they always will challenge you in their weak spots. <laughs> they always yep. do. And I love them for that. I love my wife for that. Absolutely. She does that. There was a lesson from a, a book that I really liked to kind of leave his closing thought here uh, on that topic. It talked about how um, your wife is a mirror mm -hmm. of how basically what you are doing to the father. Mm-hmm. So if your wife's not spending time with you, it's because you're not spending time with the father. And it used for an example, it said a man walked to a mirror and saw that his hat was askew. And so he adjusted the mirror. So it no longer looked askew. And how often do we say, you know, whether it's our wives or somebody else, that maybe the father sent us to show us the things that we need to deal with. And we look at them and we try to fix them instead of just us fixing ourselves being yeah. the thing that eventually leads to that, the mm -hmm. satisfaction and that result. 
I think Yeshua said eye, something. Right? Yeah, that's not mm. I think Yeshua said something about a log and an eye. Mm. Yeah, but, yeah, he did. Yes. I think Sorry. we're taking this program to a place of meddling. Yeah, you know, this, uh, <laughs> we definitely oh. covered some ground here. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, hopefully someone out there has gotten some good stuff out of this. I think probably so. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Closing thoughts, guys. Don't take it marital advice from Ryan. <laughs> hey, hey, whoa. Whoa. Don't take it. Yeah. Oh man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> find find rest in the father and mm -hmm. just just be okay. Okay. If you're the kind of person that has to have music going in the background of every moment of every day, stop it. That's my closing thought. Mm -hmm. Turn the music off. Ooh. And let the silence surround you. Yeah. There you oh, go. yeah, that could be a whole that that's awesome. I love that. I think uh what I would want to say is uh I remember being younger, not that far long ago, and being around friends that were going through the similar things that I was going through. And they approached that point in their life where doubt lack of faith, whatever it may be, whatever triggers it, or events in your life that will trigger an event to happen where it's that what we like to call crisis of faith. And I think mm -hmm. that this, the starting of this talking about from the pers different perspectives, these five questions, I'm telling you, if you've never had a crisis of faith, uh, well, guess what? You're, you're going to have one eventually. Um, and it's a, it's a growing thing. It's a good thing. It's a learning thing. And ho I hope that and pray that it's not brutal or it's not as rough as it has been to others that I've seen, but it is to grow your faith. And to those of you who are maybe in the middle of that, where you're starting to doubt a lot of things that you've been told, where you're starting to question why maybe the lack of the presence of God in your life, all these things, it is going to get better. It, it sucks in the moment, but it will get better. And you're going to experience God in a different way that you've never expected before. And I would encourage you to reach out to those who are open enough to talk that it's a real thing and it's not just something to just uh, to use your line, Mike, because I know some, some kids I've talked to have had this approach said to them where it's just get over it. But in reality, you're going to get over it. It's, it's not going to last very long. You're going to get over it because you're going to see life without God. And it's not, it doesn't, it's not good. It, it's going to leave you void of something very important that you might have grown up with all your whole entire life. And then when you recognize that it's not there, it's, it's not, it's not fun. So I would want to leave you encouraged that approach this from knowing that God's specifically, he's your special treasure to him. We talked about this with a lot of the youth that revive, and it was really amazing to see that the eyes opening up, understanding that there's a purpose in their life, that everything that they went through was for a reason, a purpose that is going to be amazing at the end. And that's what I want to leave you with is tying us all together. It's going to be okay. You're going to get through this and it's, you're going to be much better for it. And you're going to thank God that you went through it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I would leave you all with, remember that time is the most expensive thing on the planet. It's something that we can't make more of. So spend it wisely. Mm -hmm. Turn off the phone, turn off the Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. open up your Bible, 
spend time with those that you love. Find somebody maybe even a little bit older than yourself and sit down and learn from them as well. Let them pour into your life some wisdom. Yep. Don't get so caught up in the, the chaos that this world wants to fill your head with, with all the, the goals and objectives and what ifs that it would like to, to ask. And find out who God says you are and what his plan is for you. It's good counsel, guys. Well, we're going to be, uh, for those that are saying, you know, I, I just don't know. I, I, um, you know, maybe I, you, you went and you had someone pray with you and, but, but nothing really changed in your life. Um, you're questioning, you're questioning your own, your own relationship with God. Uh, we're going to take you through the, not a formula because God's not into formulas, but he is into patterns. And so there's patterns in scripture that show us how to have a relationship with him. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship with the one that created you. And the one that said, I have plans for you for good mm. and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. So with that, live your life on purpose. Amen. See you guys next time. See you guys next week. See you guys. All right. You alone hear my every prayer. You're the God who's always.